0: Life is complex. Join us for the simple gifts of wisdom, love, and delight in the written word. Rene Descartes, Meditations on First Philosophy, Meditation Number 6, Of the Existence of Material Things and of the Real Distinction Between the Mind and Body of Man, Part 2. And, in other instances, without number, I also discovered error in judgments founded on the external senses. And not only in those founded on the external, but even in those that rested on the internal senses. For is there aught more internal than pain? And yet I have sometimes been informed by parties whose arm or leg had been amputated that they still occasionally seemed to feel pain in that part of the body which they had lost a circumstance that led me to think that I could not be quite certain even that any one of my members was affected when I felt pain in it. And to these grounds of doubt, I shortly afterward also added two others of very wide generality. The first of them was that I believed I never perceived anything when awake, which I could not occasionally think I also perceived when asleep. And as I do not believe that the ideas I seem to perceive in my sleep proceed from objects external to me, I did not any more observe any ground for believing this of such as I seemed to perceive when awake. The second was that since I was as yet ignorant of the author of my being, or at least supposed myself to be so, I saw nothing to prevent my having been so constituted by nature as that I should be deceived even in matters that appeared to me to possess the greatest truth. And, with respect to the grounds on which I had before been persuaded of the existence of sensible objects, I had no great difficulty in finding suitable answers to them. For as nature seemed to incline me to many things from which reason made me averse, I thought that I ought not to confide much in its teachings, and although the perceptions of the senses were not dependent on my will, I did not think that I ought on that ground to conclude that they proceeded from things different from myself, since perhaps there might be found in me some faculty, though hitherto unknown to me, which produced them. But now that I begin to know myself better, and to discover more clearly the author of my being, I do not, indeed, think that I ought rashly to admit all which the senses seem to teach, nor, on the other hand, is it my conviction that I ought to doubt in general of their teachings? And, firstly, because I know that all which I clearly and distinctly conceive can be produced by God exactly as I conceive it, it is sufficient that I am able clearly and distinctly to conceive one thing apart from another in order to be certain that the one is different from the other seeing that they may at least be made to exist separately, by the omnipotence of God. And it matters not by what power this separation is made, in order to be compelled to judge them different. And, therefore, merely because I know with certitude that I exist, and because, in the meantime, I do not observe that aught necessarily belongs to my nature or essence, beyond my being a thinking thing, I rightly conclude that my essence consists only in my being a thinking thing, or a substance whose whole essence or nature is merely thinking. And although I may, or rather, as I will shortly say, although I certainly do possess a body with which I am very closely conjoined, nevertheless, because, on the one hand, I have a clear and distinct idea of myself in as far as I am only a thinking and unextended thing, and as, on the other hand, I possess a distinct idea of body, in as far as it is only an extended and unthinking thing, it is certain that I, that is, my mind, by which I am what I am, is entirely and truly distinct from my body, and may exist without it. Moreover, I find in myself diverse faculties of thinking that have each their special mode. For example, I find I possess the faculties of imagining and perceiving, without which I can indeed clearly and distinctly conceive myself as entire, but I cannot reciprocally conceive them without conceiving myself, that is to say, without an intelligent substance in which they reside, for in the notion we have of them, or to use the terms of the schools in their formal concept, they comprise some sort of intellection, whence I perceive that they are distinct from myself as modes are from things. I remark likewise certain other faculties, as the power of changing place, of assuming diverse figures and the like, that cannot be conceived and cannot therefore exist, any more than the preceding, apart from a substance in which they inhere. It is very evident, however, that these faculties, if they really exist, must belong to some corporeal or extended substance, since in their clear and distinct concept there is contained some sort of extension, but no intellection at all. Further, I cannot doubt but that there is in me a certain passive faculty of perception, that is of receiving and taking knowledge of the ideas of sensible things. But this would be useless to me, if there did not also exist in me, or in some other thing, another active faculty capable of forming and producing those ideas. But this active faculty cannot be in me as far as I am but a thinking thing, seeing that it does not presuppose thought, and also that those ideas are frequently produced in my mind without my contributing to it in any way, and even frequently contrary to my will. This faculty must therefore exist in some substance different from me, in which all the objective reality of the ideas that are produced by this faculty is contained formally or eminently, as I before remarked. And this substance is either a body, that is to say, a corporeal nature in which is contained formally and in effect, all that is objectively and by representation in those ideas. Or it is God himself, or some other creature, of a rank superior to body, in which the same is contained eminently. But as God is no deceiver, it is manifest that he does not of himself and immediately communicate those ideas to me, nor even by the intervention of any creature, in which their objective reality is not formally, but only eminently contained. For as he has given me no faculty whereby I can discover this to be the case, but, on the contrary, a very strong inclination to believe that those ideas arise from corporeal objects, I do not see how he could be vindicated from the charge of deceit if, in truth, they proceeded from any other source or were produced by other causes than corporeal things. And accordingly, it must be concluded that corporeal objects exist. Nevertheless, they are not, perhaps, exactly such as we perceive by the senses, for their comprehension by the senses is, in many instances, very obscure and confused. But it is at least necessary to admit that all which I clearly and distinctly conceive as in them, that is, Generally speaking, all that is comprehended in the object of speculative geometry really exists external to me. But with respect to other things which are either only particular, as, for example, that the sun is of such a size and figure, etc., or are conceived with less clearness and distinctness, as light, sound, pain, and the like, Although they are highly dubious and uncertain, nevertheless, on the ground alone that God is no deceiver, and that consequently He has permitted no falsity in my opinions, which He has not likewise given me a faculty of correcting, I think I may with safety conclude that I possess in myself the means of arriving at the truth. And, in the first place, it cannot be doubted that in each of the dictates of nature there is some truth." For by nature, considered in general, I now understand nothing more than God himself, or the order and disposition established by God in created things. And by my nature in particular I understand the assemblage of all that God has given me. But there is nothing which that nature teaches me more expressly, or more sensibly, than that I have a body which is ill-affected when I feel pain, and stands in need of food and drink, when I experience the sensations of hunger and thirst, etc. And therefore, I ought not to doubt, but that there is some truth in these informations. Nature likewise teaches me, by these sensations of pain, hunger, thirst, etc., that I am not only lodged in my body as a pilot in a vessel, but that I am besides so intimately conjoined, and as it were intermixed with it, that my mind and body compose a certain unity, For if this were not the case, I should not feel pain when my body is hurt, seeing I am merely a thinking thing, but should perceive the wound by the understanding alone, just as a pilot perceives by sight when any part of his vessel is damaged. And when my body has need of food or drink, I should have a clear knowledge of this, and not be made aware of it by the confused sensations of hunger and thirst. For, in truth, all these sensations of hunger, thirst, pain, etc., are nothing more than certain confused modes of thinking, arising from the union and apparent fusion of mind and body. Besides this, nature teaches me that my own body is surrounded by many other bodies, some of which I have to seek after, and others to shun, and indeed, as I perceive different sorts of colors, sounds, odors, tastes, heat, hardness, etc., I safely conclude, that there are in the bodies from which the diverse perceptions of the senses proceed certain varieties corresponding to them although perhaps not in reality like them and since among these diverse perceptions of the senses some are agreeable and others disagreeable there can be no doubt that my body or rather my entire self in as far as i am composed of body and mind may be variously affected both beneficially and hurtfully By surrounding bodies. But there are many other beliefs which, though seemingly the teaching of nature, are not in reality so, but which obtained a place in my mind through a habit of judging inconsiderately of things. It may thus easily happen that such judgments shall contain error. Thus, for example, the opinion I have that all space in which there is nothing to affect or make an impression on my senses is void that in a hot body there is something in every respect similar to the idea of heat in my mind, that in a white or green body there is in every respect similar, that in a white or green body there is the same whiteness or greenness which I perceive, that in a bitter or sweet body there is the same taste, and so in other instances, that the stars, towers, and all distant bodies are of the same size and figure as they appear to our eyes, etc., But that I may avoid everything like indistinctness of conception, I must accurately define what I properly understand by being taught by nature. For nature is here taken in a narrower sense than when it signifies the sum of all things which God has given me. Seeing that in that meaning the notion comprehends much that belongs only to the mind, to which I am not here to be understood as referring when I use the term nature, as, for example, the notion I have of the truth and what is done and cannot be undone, and all the other truths I discern by the natural light without the aid of the body, and seeing that it comprehends likewise much besides that belongs only to body, and is not here any more contained under the same nature, as the quality of heaviness and the like, of which I do not speak, the term being reserved exclusively to designate the things which God has given to me as being composed of mind and body. But nature, Taking the term in the sense explained teaches me to shun what causes in me the sensation of pain and to pursue what affords me the sensation of pleasure and other things of this sort. But I do not discover that it teaches me, in addition to this, from these diverse perceptions of the senses, to draw any conclusions respecting external objects without a previous careful and mature consideration of them by the mind. For it is, as appears to me, the office of the mind alone, and not of the composite whole of mind and body, to discern the truth in those matters. Thus, although the impression a star makes on my eye is not larger than that from the flame of a candle, I do not, nevertheless, experience any real or positive impulse determining me to believe that the star is not greater than the flame, the true account of the matter being merely that I have so judged from my youth without any rational ground. And, though on approaching the fire I feel heat, and even pain on approaching it too closely, I have, however, from this no ground for holding that something resembling the heat I feel is in the fire, any more than that there is something similar to the pain. All that I have ground for believing is that there is something in it, whatever it may be, which excites in me those sensations of heat or pain. So also, although there are spaces in which I find nothing to excite and affect my senses, I must not therefore conclude that those spaces contain in them no body. For I see that in this, as in many other similar matters, I have been accustomed to pervert the order of nature. Because these perceptions of the senses, although given me by nature merely to signify to my mind what things are beneficial and hurtful to the composite whole of which it is a part, and being sufficiently clear and distinct for that purpose, are nevertheless used by me as infallible rules by which to determine immediately the essence of the bodies that exist out of me, of which they can, of course, afford me only the most obscure and confused knowledge. Tis the gift to be simple. Tis the gift to be free. Tis the gift to come down where we ought to be,